You know, this is basically the text for our message, this whole song. So I want us to sing through just one more time and just really be kind of still before the Lord. Just listen. Just prepare your hearts to receive what God wants to say today. Amen. Be still, my soul, be still. Be still, my soul, be still. Wait patiently upon the Lord. Be still, my soul, be still. breath, let it out, and sit down. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We can go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap now. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody comfortable? Okay, let's stand back up. I want to just honor the Word of God as we just read this verse. So I do want you, this, well, before we do that, everybody got a Bible? Let's shake them a little bit, make the devil mad, and let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. We got some warriors out there. You know what this thing is, don't you? If you believe that, repeat after me. Say, this Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, sin deflector, faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shot and a hand clap. And now, let's stand up and read this verse from the Word of God. Just remain standing till I release you, okay? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still. You know, in music, it's called rest, intervals of silence. In a play or a concert, it's called an intermission. In sports, it's called halftime. In a storm, it's called the calm. In an interstate highway, it's called the rest stop. But in the book of Psalms, it's called Selah, a moment of pause. Let's pause and pray. Father, we do bless you. First, I just want to thank you first so much just for the, the worship and your presence here and how you're communicating to us or you're with us. And I just pray the rest of this service, your presence will even become stronger. It'll manifest in a way that we'll feel and know how much you love us. So, Lord, speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. You can give your neighbor a high five or a fist bump or something and have a seat and be blessed. Or a $10 bill, whatever works for you. <clears throat> okay, there's... You know, first of all... Well, I'll get back to that in a minute. All right. There's a time when stillness was much easier to find than it is now. You know, many of us, um, you know, our lives are very hectic, are very fast paced. We hit the ground running. We have places to go, things to do, people to see, you know, lists to check off, uh, phone calls to make. And it seems though we're constantly, you know, meeting ourselves coming and going. Technology is supposed to make our lives simpler. Instead, it seems to make our lives more complex. And one way to ease the time pressures with modern conveniences. A Harvard professor says that uh, there's 30,000 new products made each year to help, help us simplify life. 
But simplifying chores and appliances seem to encourage them to do more often. Power mowers give us less excuse for not cutting the grass. Blow dryers help us wash our hair daily. Aren't you excited about that? Dustbusters make it possible to suck dirt from every possible corner where you don't get the regular vacuum cleaner out. And washers and dryers allow us to do laundry daily instead of once a week. You know, near, er, nearly every study of time and doing chores reaches the same conclusion. Labor savers relieve drudgery and save time, but on the other hand, our lives are just as hectic and complicated, if not more so. You know, we no longer haul water, split wood, trim wicks, uh, clean lamps, feed horses, bake bread, boil clothes. I don't know if anybody's ever done that or not. But we do show for kids, fight traffic, stand in supermarket lines, fend off telemarketers, decipher manuals, and we're constantly trying to figure out how to reset those digital clocks on all of our stuff. How many, you just let it go till the next daylight savings time and you just kind of adjust an hour in your mind and don't even bother with it. You know it's going to be right pretty soon. Amen? You know, one way modern technology allows us to do more is by eliminating unnecessary delays. You don't have to build a fire to boil water, wind a watch, put uh, paper in a typewriter. But when you take away the things that take up time, it takes away the opportunities to catch our breath. And that's why we have this pace that feels breathless. You know, the word translated be still from the Hebrew word is the word rapha. The word is found in various forms in the Old Testament, has various shades of meaning, but basically refers to that which is slack or to let drop or in some instances to be disheartened or weak. Now, if we were to say that about a person, it has a negative connotation. But interesting enough, uh, be weak is a command. In other contests, if you let your hands drop, you'd be condemned because you're not working. Or if you were, um, you know, disheartened, you'd be commanded to take courage. But in this case, be weak is commanded. The Hebrew definition is to stop striving, to let go, to surrender. This chapter 46, which we're going to look at a little more in depth, uh, it starts with God as our refuge and ends with God God as our refuge. So that ought to give us some comfort that we can rest, we can let go and let God protect us, meet our needs, uh, be our strength. Amen? Okay, now, uh, the acronym for this message is the word STILL. Now, and I kind of, I just like to use those, but here's kind of the setup for that. First of all, Uh, The last three weeks, I haven't been here on a weekend service. We had to go to Nebraska and finish settling my uncle's estate. We had an auction we had to do, so we had to go up there. And the frustrating thing about it is we did this back in December. And he was a hoarder and literally would fill this room with tables and stuff. And that's the way it was a room this size, full. And we set it all up in December only to have a blizzard happen that day and had to postpone it and pack it all back up and put it in a storage area. So we went back up, unpacked it. We at least knew how to set it up this time. Got it all out there, but it sold and it's over. And I say, praise God. But then we're thinking, okay, now I just said, I'll come back and get a few days working and we're going to go on vacation. And so my wife and I got to go on vacation. But before we go, I get a text from Pastor. He said, would you be, Pastor Pastor Travis was scheduled to preach this weekend service. But if he's not healthy, would you be able to do it? And immediately I start sweating and thinking, oh, how could I? I mean, I want to go on vacation and not worry about it. When I get back, i got to hit the ground running. It's going to be busy. Got to get ready for the car show, trophies and, and uh, shirts and all this stuff. And so I'm a little bit panicked. But here's what happened two days before that. I was in my quiet time. 
I got music playing, and I'm on a Jesus culture, and this song comes up that we just sang, Be Still. And it's one of those, that one, it just kind of caught me long enough where I just, a lot of times I'm pacing and praying, I just sat down, and I just listened to it. And right after that, I heard myself say, I could do a message about that. And then I thought the word still immediately an acronym. And I just, the, the, every letter came except the middle one. But I'm saying that because God used that to give me a confidence that, hey, I'll be with you in this. It won't be a big, because the hardest time sometimes is just what to say. But God used these letters, this word still, to give me a roadmap to say, hey, this is where you're going. And for you, it can be a little handle to help to carry this message out and hopefully remember it. So hopefully it's a win-win for both of us. Be praying for Pastor John. He's on vacation. So always pray for him and Pastor Linnell to be strengthened and blessed. Continue to pray for Pastor Travis. He's got a new kidney. Praise the Lord. And it's functioning properly. But a lot of pain involved in doing that. A lot of medication he has to take. So let's keep him in our prayer. This will be a speedy recovery. Okay, so we take the word still. The first letter is the letter S, and it stands for shut up. Now, don't look at your neighbor and say that right now. And you might think that's pretty harsh. Matter of fact, that word could not be said in the Omer house by my kids. If you said that, you got a big taste of Mr. Soap. And you had to put the soap in your mouth and to discourage you from saying uh, shut up to one of the other parents or even the other siblings. Uh, so if you don't like to use that word, you can use this word, silence. You say that, silence, all right? But here's why I use such a strong word. First of all, that's what I need uh, when I'm yapping away. But Mark 4:39, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, peace, exclamation point. Be still, exclamation point. Those are there for a reason. The story is also told in Matthew and Luke, which portrays an extremely busy day. Jesus is healing people. He's casting out demons. He's speaking. And there's a good chance he was a little exhausted and overwhelmed. Because even though he was the God of the universe, he was contained in this physical body just like we have. And he was subject to all those things. And then he requested a boat to escape the crowds and to, uh, to kind of get away. So on the journey, a huge storm rolls in. The disciples are afraid for their life. They looked at Jesus and found him fast asleep, possibly from exhaustion, but he was sleeping. They were terrified because of the storm, and they woke up Jesus. And according to Mark's account, Jesus was not happy, okay? In his frustration, he yelled, peace, be still. When he did that, storm stopped, waves stopped immediately. The literal translation of be still taken from the Greek is hush, or in our terms, shut up, okay? So it's a very strong word. Now, you know what be still means when you use it. I'm sure you do. You're maybe in church, your kids are squirming, starting to talk a little bit, and you look at them and say, if you don't be still, we're going out for whatever. With us was Mr. Spoon. Uh, the wooden spoon, you'd have a board meeting where the board would hit the other side and kind of remind you that you need to be right. Or let's say you're talking on the telephone, your kids, grandkids, are, they're talking and screaming, and, and you put your hand over the phone, and you look at them, would you kids be still? For some of you, it's shut up. Or for some of you, it's things we can't repeat in here. But you want to get their attention. You know, with all the busyness, then we get all these fearful and anxious thoughts that we hold on to. It's stated there's upwards to 50,000 thoughts a day that we have. And these thoughts aren't always pretty. They're the ones like, you know, I can't believe I messed up or I'm an idiot, which I just said yesterday for whatever reason. And every time I say that, I get a check in my spirit because, first of all, I'm saying I am. 
and God's in me, and I got to kind of challenge myself there. But you could be saying, I can't do it. It's too hard. I'm a failure. I'm too young. I'm too old, whatever the case may be. But we got to learn to tell these fearful and anxious thoughts to shut up in Jesus' name. Just as Jesus calmed that sea, but immediately after he does that, he asks his disciples a question, why are you so afraid? Why have you so little faith? And that's usually the issue when we're getting bombarded. Okay, why is this fear coming in? Why is my faith being depleted? Again, that term be still comes from the Hebrew word rapha, which has several different meanings, as I said, but the way be still is used in this verse is literally means be weak. See, many of us find ourselves trying to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. We try to fix everybody's problems, try to change the way people think, the way people act, and live their lives. In other words, many of us are guilty of trying to do God's job for him. When God says be still, he's trying to say, stop trying to do my job for me. Relax, let go, give up, cease striving to be still, okay? Now, the next letter, first of all, I'm going to go back. If you um, say you don't want to use shut up, you can use silence. And I'll use an example here on the video screen. And this is from what I thought was the scariest movie in the world back when I was about 12 years old. Silence with a snapper! Silence with a snapper! Okay, so look at your neighbor and say, silence, whippersnapper. I mean, the next time you're on the phone, you're ready to cuss your kids out, say, silence, whippersnapper. They'd probably go, what, what did they just say? What does that mean? So hopefully that'll help you remember the, the S letter. The T stands for trust. Say trust. First of all, God is inviting us to trust him. Be still and know that I am God. Doesn't it seem like the world's spinning out of control? There seems like wherever we turn, there's chaos and disorder, chaos in our government, chaos in our educational system, chaos in our judicial system. You know, it just seems to be chaos everywhere. Well, there's a future for America seems somewhat certain. Now it seems very shaky and uncertain and all this chaos and disorder. Not just in America, but when you look around the world and you look at that, it's very easy to become very anxious and fearful and then God gently reminds us, be still and know that I am God. Trust me. I'm still God. I'm still on the throne. Uh, I haven't died. Everything's under control. I got things going according to my plan. Don't be anxious. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't lose heart. Amen? But sometimes the care of this world can suck us into an ocean of despair. You know, as I mentioned, uh, we had the opportunity to go on vacation. Uh, just my wife and I, which is, it's great to have the kids along, but once in a while, just good to not have to worry about where you're going to eat, what you're going to do, just relax. And whenever I get my wife to the beach, she's from Florida, we have a great time, and I was able just to fish off of the shore, and when I did, the, first of all, there was three or four days of red flag. That means undertow, riptide, stay out of the water, and, but I would walk out into the water since, but I wouldn't leave the ground, I'd always, it's amazing how far you can go sometimes, and there's a sandbar, and you can keep going, and I'd walk out, maybe from here to the back of that room, and then I'd cast my pole, my uh, bait out as far as I could, and then walk on back, but when I walked back, you could feel the water going the other way, and it was work just to get back, and so I was very cautious not to go too far, and always kept my feet on the ground, but then I'm sitting there kind of relaxing, waiting for the fish to bite, and I look out, and there was about four kids, maybe 9 to 12 years old, younger ones, that were playing in that first wave here to the front row and seemed like they're having a good time. The next time I looked, 
they were three or four waves out. And I just watched a little bit, and I saw a dad run out there. And he grabs one of the kids, and I saw a mom run out there. She's got to hold two kids, so I throw my hat off, and I run over there, and I look at the mom. She's out there, and I say, do you need help? She says, yes. And so I, here we go, God. And so I walk out there. We get there, and she hands me one of the boys, and I grab his hand. I said, hold on to his hand. And so we make a little chain, and I said, when a wave comes, just use that and let it push you. And so we just kind of kept going and walking, and we got back to the shore. And my wife kind of reminded me when I was doing this message, just, man, the examples in there. First of all, you can just be going through life. Things seem pretty good. You're just kind of playing around. It's a pretty good day. And then for some reason, you just kind of get sucked out into this place of, man, all of a sudden you're discouraged. You're like, and it could be a, 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 a literally a spiritual attack or just things happen and you feel like, and you're just being sucked away. And it, it was so obvious this week a young man in our church that I saw, you know, a few weeks ago in the hallway, and he's got a gentle spirit, and he's got a, a wife and a couple children, and I don't know what happened, but I had to go see him Friday. His mom texted me and said he's in the hospital. He tried to commit suicide. He took some pills. And I don't know. I went and visited him, and I just said, man, what happened? You just kind of get discouraged, and he's kind of shaking his head, and, and I don't know what happened, but life just kind of sucking him out there. And you get out there where you think there's no hope, there's no help, but sometimes you just got to reach your hand out. And first of all, God helped me because he's always there. But sometimes it's just somebody you can call on, somebody to ask to help you kind of pull you back in. And I'm telling you, God's there to do that. The I, and like I said, I got all these, um, you know, the words for the, the message, except that middle one. And on vacation, I sit there and I got this one, which I think is the most important one. That's why it's right in the middle. And I think God held on to it for a minute. But it's in his presence. The I stands for, say that, in his presence. And this is very, very important. God is inviting me, he's inviting you to take time with him, to be still and know that he's God. One of the biggest enemies of our prayer is that many of us have a hard time dis disciplining ourselves to be still long enough to spend time in his presence every day. Psalm 16 says, in his presence there's fullness of joy. Exodus 33 says, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Psalm 97 says, and the mountains will melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. Whatever problem you have, whatever mountain you have, can melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. It really can. You know, we have uh, able to do youth ministry for 16 years, and a lot of times we'd have prayer on Tuesday nights, and part of our prayer time was just get in the presence of the Lord, put on worship music. And we had a couple of young guys, I don't know if many of you remember them, they were Chad and Todd, they were twins. And they came from California. They didn't have a father in their life, real rough upbringing. Their mom was struggling to make ends meet, and they were in that kind of out of high school and trying to find jobs, and, and uh, they really understood about the presence. And they just worshiped with their whole heart and because, I mean, when God saved them, they just really got touched. And they'd come to me, and they I mean, could be frustrated, crying, just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, man, this is going on. That's going on. I don't have a job. And I said, let's just go get in the presence put on worship music, and it wouldn't be five minutes. Smiles on her, and they'd come encouraging me. And it was just amazing that, that they got a hold of that. And all I got to do is spend some time with God, and things will change. They'll get a reality of what's really going on. And David had this understanding about the presence of God. First of all, in Psalm 51, he had made the worst mistake anybody can make. Uh, not just the adultery, but then trying to kill somebody and killing somebody to cover it up. 
And Nathan confronts him, and he has this psalm is a psalm he prays and writes. Creating me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I don't care what you've done in your life. You can pray that prayer. And God so much wants relationship with us. When you pray that, he'll come and restore. He'll come and his presence will come and make things right. David understood the importance of the presence of God, how he, I have to have that, he was telling God. I need your presence because he learned that in Bible school. That's where he went to Bible school in the pasture with all the sheep. And that's a good Bible school. I don't know if you've been in the woods by yourself sometime, but it can, you can get the, sometimes you just get a feeling, oh, what's all out here? And it can be kind of scary, whatever the case may be. But you think about it. He had to fight a lion and a bear. Literally took a sheep out of a lion's mouth. I mean, man. I'm, you know, when you're just out by yourself, first of all, uh, you want God to be close because you don't know what's going on. My son, when he was in high school, had a real spiritual encounter with God. You know, he was kind of doing the church thing, but him, and I believe it was David Walls, one of his friends decided, hey, we're going to make some money. We're going to go and run a fireworks stand. The thing is, they gave him the one in Arkadelphia, way up there, all on the interstate, and they would have to stay in a tent to keep an eye on things. So not only are they staying on a tent away from everybody along the interstate where anybody can show up, my son decided to read this book called This Present Darkness which is a book about the spirit realm being able to see what's going on in the spirit realm, the demons and all that stuff that are after you. And I'm telling you, with all those things, he had an encounter with God. And he went to the next level with that. But I was thinking of David trying to fight that. You know, we got a, several dogs, and one's a, a big German shepherd, 100 pounds, and my son-in-law and daughter have an Australian shepherd, and they're both male, and we did the surgeries to demale them as much as you could, but they still want to... Uh, say who's boss. They, they, they're just like that. And they've been in a few fights, but not many. We usually have a CO2 fire extinguisher. We, we kind of shoot on them, and they, they kind of freak out and break it up. But this time it wasn't there. I was out barbecuing, and there was some food there. See, the bigger dog, usually when you put the food out, he'll sit with his paws around it and just sit there, not eat, just kind of let everybody know, hey, this is my food. I'm number one here. But this time I went out and and the littler one took a bite of food, and I'm thinking that's what happened because immediately they were after it. And I was trying to break them up. I finally grabbed the smaller one's legs and trying to use my foot to kind of kick the up. And he's got his head and is not letting go. Finally break them loose. Get it to the door. The little one shakes loose and goes right back after the big one again. And I finally broke them loose, got one inside, and I just kind of paused a moment. And especially doing this message, I'm thinking, what would that have been like with a lion or a bear? I mean, these dogs I knew. I'm just amazed at that. And I believe it's because David could constantly see the Lord. And I'm going to show that to you. Acts 2.25. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Think of that. He uh, developed that ability, that faith to constantly see God there, to know that God was there in his mind's eye, in his spirit, whatever the case may be. He always knew. And that's why when Goliath stood out there, so big he was blocking the sun, all David had to do was just look up to his right. We got this. Because his God was so much bigger than that giant is. And that's when you get in your presence, you can take that time to understand, man, God is with me. Who could be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And he'll give you that confidence. Psalm 16, this is what David wrote. 
in Psalms. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. Some of you need to write that in your notes and dig a little deeper in that one. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. I'll tell you, one of the most powerful ways to experience the presence of God is through his word. How can I read a book and experience the presence of God? Well, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. God and His Word are inseparable. Yeah, it can just be a book. But when you have a relationship with God, and the author of the book, the creator of the universe, is living inside you, this thing can come alive. It really can. And I believe this is the first place He wants to communicate to you. Man, put this Bible out. Get a notebook and a pen. When God looks down, they're thinking, man, he wants to get something or she wants to get something. And there's faith to get something from God. Another way to get in his presence and just in prayer or in worship, put on some worship music, sing a song, or just be still and sit. And that's the, that's where I have to challenge myself. I have no problem talking, walking, you know, listening to music, but just being still, that's where I got to challenge myself. Just stop, just pause, you know, just be still. And here's the thing. One of the first questions, if you offered somebody a job that you'd probably be asked is, what's in it for me? Are there any benefits? And you think about that a minute. Most people don't realize they're missing the greatest source source of benefits that could possibly be imagined just by coming and living and abiding in the presence of the Almighty God. What benefits we have. What does it say in Psalm 103? Don't forget his benefits. He removes all all of our iniquities, heals all of our diseases, he redeems our life from the pit, crowns us with loving kindness and compassion, restores our youth like the eagles. I mean, truthfully, God is my retirement. Now, I need to use some wisdom. He's my health insurance. Um, luckily, I'm, I have health insurance right now, but the times I didn't, he is literally my health insurance, and he can be yours. Everything you need, I believe, can be found in the presence of the Lord. Do you need healing? you can find the presence of the Lord. Do you need provision? You can find it in the presence of the Lord. Most Christians never exercise the wonderful privilege where we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in time of need. Okay, the last two letters are both L, so I'm going to give them to you all at once. Look and listen. When you come to the railroad track, you stop and you do what? You look and listen. You want to be aware of what's around you. You know, in your prayer time, you want to be aware, and all through the day, you know, there's many words for the word, or definitions for the word know in the Bible. Some are gaze with eyes wide open, to know by seeing or by experience, voluntary observation, casual glance, watching from a distance, earnest and continued inspection, to know by education. You know, hopefully you start your day with a quiet time, reading, praying, listening, but then when you go through the day, you want to have your eyes open, be looking, be listening, because God wants to communicate. He really does. When I went, uh, I think Friday, I decided to get a workout in, and, and I got a new phone. I got my little, uh, you know, earbuds and, that are wireless, and so I had to hook the new phone up and do the Bluetooth thing and back and forth, but it didn't work. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to take my earphones out to my car, and I thought, I don't want to go to the trouble, and oh, I'll just wear them. That way people will see my earphones and think I'm listening to something and won't bug me, and since I'm very busy, I can get, you know, get in and out fast. Uh, but then I kind of did that, and I thought, ooh, what if I just, it was God's station, God speaking to me through the earbuds. So I would just 
do the whole workout just trying to be aware that God's going to communicate to me. And so then I asked, okay, what do you want to say to the Saturday night service? And I just felt like this impression, tell them I love them and I'm proud of them. And if you just saw Saturday night, rain going sideways, the people that came out, uh, I was proud they came. And whatever that meant. And then Sunday morning, I felt like tell them they're regal. And I'm thinking, and I kind of said that, regal, and I was kind of trying to, and I immediately, I just looked at a weight machine that had probably been there forever, and I never saw the name of it on there, and it said eagle. Regal, eagle, okay, we'll go with that. And I thought, okay, they're eagles, but, and this is what I really felt impressed. Okay, they're eagles, but some of you need to wait on the Lord. You need to renew your strength. That's how you're going to wait on the Lord. And I didn't tell anybody what I, the Lord said this second service, and I'll just tell you what I felt impressed. He wants to see you more often. He wants to spend time with you more often. And I don't think that was a condemning word. That's how much he wants a relationship with us. He really wants to, I mean, he wants to hang out with you. He walked and talked with Adam. And then sin came in and separated. The first thing he did is, I've got to get this relationship back and send his son to a cross just so he could walk and talk with us. Isn't that an amazing father we have? Amen. Amen. So look, and the next one is listen, okay? The Lord constantly speaks to us. He gives us direction, and it's never the Lord who's not speaking. It's us who's not hearing. And Jesus has some pretty strong statements about hearing his voice. John 10, 3 through 5. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his sheep by name, leads them out. Wherever he has brought them out on his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. And do not, they do not know the voice of strangers. Notice in verse 3, his sheep hear his voice. He didn't say the sheep can hear his voice or should hear his voice, but he said the sheep do hear his voice. Now, some Christians should have a, a question the accuracy of that statement since their experiences don't line up with that. But this is not about our experience. What Jesus said was true. All believers, I believe, all true believers can and do hear the voice of God. The problem is they just don't recognize what they're hearing as being God's voice. Isn't it frustrating when God's voice sounds like your spouse? Just truthful. Or your boss or maybe one of your children. How many, God actually spoke through a child. I mean, he can do that, can't he? You know, radio and television stations transmit uh, signals 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's signals going through this room right now, but the only way you're going to see or hear them is by having a receiver and turning it on. The thing is, a lot of us are busier than ever, and one of the big reasons we don't hear God's voice better is we're just too busy. I mean, don't blame the person transmitting. You know, we've got to get our receivers, our transmitters fixed. And the first way to fix them is first to realize God is communicating and then turn it on and tune it in. But again, we're so busy, it's hard to accomplish that. 1 Kings 19, Elijah, he's getting sucked out by the riptide. First of all, great spiritual encounter, calls down fire from heaven, defeats all these prophets, and then all of a sudden he's being sucked out into a place literally of suicide. He wants to kill him. Just he Take me, Lord. Jezebel's going to kill me. He's just all worried and anxious and fret. And then he has an encounter with God. But it says God was not in the earthquake. He was not in the wind. 
He was not in the fire. It says, but he was in the still, small voice. Or another version says, the low whisper. But that's often drowned out because all the noise in our daily lives. I don't always hear my wife, but when I do, no. Sometimes she'll say, hey, Mike, remember we're going to that birthday party tonight. I don't know about a birthday I told you. No, you didn't. And then we kind of back and forth and try it. I try to win the argument and realize that's impossible. But then here's what happens. I got to tell, okay, was I doing anything? If I'm doing one thing, I cannot do another thing. Some of you multitask. If I'm reading the newspaper, that's that piece of paper that sells the news in it and things for you kids. Or if I'm looking at my phone or watching a TV, it's like that's all I can do. And so now it's, okay, Sharon, uh, be sure I look at you and I acknowledge, okay? Oh, we got any amen, amen? We got no excuses now, all right? All right. But it's something how, first of all, one of the things we need to understand is we don't realize, okay, let's look at this verse here. God's voice, first of all, is a lot like our voice. So a lot of those thoughts you get, you can just kind of dismiss because it sounds like our voice. And God, in John 4, 24, says, God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. That's saying communication with God is spirit to spirit, not brain to brain, not mouth to ear, like we communicate in the natural physical realm. But the Lord speaks to our spirit, not in words, but in thoughts and impressions, okay? And a lot of times it's, you get this thing like, I think the Lord wants me to do this or that. The Lord usually doesn't say, you do this or that, but it's this thought that will impress your spirit where you find out you're saying, you know, I think I need to do this. And that's why we often miss the leading of the Lord, just thinking it's our own thoughts. And the thoughts come from one of three sources. They're either from God, from the devil, or from yourself. And the thing about the enemy's voice, it can be pushy. Uh, God's voice is always the still. It's always the quieter voice. It's never a pushy voice. And when you have a hard time discerning, go with the peace if you're trying to make a decision. Because the devil can't counterfeit peace. Amen? As I close, I want to look at Psalm 46 one more time and just go verse by verse. It's not a long psalm, so it won't take long to do that. But first of all, this whole chapter, it's a reminder that God is greater than any crisis. God is greater than anything you're going through or could go through. As it starts, it says, God is our refuge and strength. It's going to end that way too. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Very present help. You know, the first service I shared uh, that, and a lady, Jean Gothard, came up to me and said, oh, I, I, I know a story about that. And a little boy got caught lying. He was lying. And the mom says, what does it say in the Bible about lying? Yes, Mom, it says lying is an abomination to God and a very present help in time of trouble. I, said, I thought it was a pretty good one, huh? But here's what G. Gordon Morgan says about the very present help in God's presence. The secret of confidence is the consciousness of the nearness of God. Doesn't that give you, that's why it gave David such great confidence. He knew God was right there. He would never leave him, never forsake him. Always right there. Then it goes on to say, verse 2, therefore we will not fear. You know, there's no logical reason sometimes to the fear that comes into us, even in a big crisis. But what we're talking about here, what God starts talking about is literally Armageddon type of crisis. It says, though the earth gives away, 
Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. Pause and think about that. That's one where I'll literally say to the devil, Selah. You know, think about that, especially what's coming up here. Here's what Spurgeon says about that word, Selah. It were well if all of us could say Selah under temptuous trials. But alas, too often we speak in our haste, lay our trembling hands bewildered among the strings, strike the lyre with a rude crash, and mar the melody of our life song. Okay, now verse 4, let's look at the peaceful provision of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. Again, a reminder of the power and the presence of God. She shall not be moved. God will help you when morning dawns. Morning, at dawn. I mean, it's always darkest right before the dawn. That's why you don't give up. God's always there. Never give up. Don't let that riptide pull you out into that place of hopelessness. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. And this verse, the Lord of hosts is with us. That is Yahweh Sabaoth. It looks like Sabbath, but it's Sabaoth. It means he's the commander of the armies, of both the armies of his people and the armies of all the heaven. That ought to give you some sort of confidence. And it says the God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Think about that. Then it goes on. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And now God This is a word from God right now, himself. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Okay, the command, be still. Here it's written in the context of a time of trouble and war. And instead of interpreting be still as this gentle suggestion, the meaning of Saul literally means cease striving and stop. Specifically, stop fighting, especially to the enemies of God. But Psalms are written to the people of God. So in our contest, it's literally snap out of it, wake up, stop fearing, acknowledge God, who he is, in his awe, that he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. Amen? Remember, this verse started with God is a refuge and strength. It ends that way, and it says, the Lord of hosts is with us. He's with us right now. We sang about it almost in every song. You know, on the day John Wesley died, he had already pretty much lost his voice. He could hardly be understood, only with very, you know, with great difficulty. And I was really moved by the account, I believe, by one of the daughters. Her name was Betsy Ritchie. And she was there in the final hours of uh, John Wesley, who was a great revivalist in the 1700s. Read about him. Powerful man of God. On his deathbed, she writes, Some of those who are most used to hearing our dear father's dying voice would be able to interpret his meaning. But though he strove to speak, we were still unsuccessful. Finding we could not understand what he said, he paused a little, and then with all his remaining strength, he had cried out, the best of all, God is with us. And then as if the assert the faithfulness of the promise-keeping Jehovah and to comfort the hearts of his weeping friends, lifting up his dying arm in token of victory and raising his feeble voice with a holy triumph that would not be expressed again, repeated the reviving words, the best of all, God is with us. I want to just leave that statement on the screen so we remember that. I want to have our worship team come forward and we're going to take a time to do that. But as we go, I want to kind of remind us what that word still was. The S stood for? 
There we go. I had a few. I know what you'd choose, shut up or silence, whichever. And there's times I just have to tell myself, okay, voices, be quiet. Devil, shut up, whatever the case may be. But sometimes I just have to remind myself, be quiet so God can give a chance to speak. The T stands for trust. We've got to trust in the Lord. He's with us always. Amen? We've got to trust Him. It's, that's what it's all about. The I in His presence. Man, practice the presence. Just get in His presence when you're frustrated, worried, whatever the case may be. L and L, look and listen. Amen? We're going to go back into worship song, and I just want you to sit there. Just soak up the presence. Just allow God to communicate to you, impress something upon you, speak to you, whatever the case may be. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, oh, Holy Spirit, you are Kind of be still before the Lord a moment. Well, Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for this time. Just be able to pause a moment. There's so much more than you can say than even I could say. And sort of speak to our hearts. But let us remember, we can always stop and pause. And you always want to remind us to be still. Just to know that you're God. And you're God right now. Amen. You know, as I said, you're God right now. I believe he's God to all of us, but he's not Lord to all of us. He needs to be Lord and Savior. You know, he needs to be Lord of your life. He wasn't Lord of my life, even though I went to church. But April 14, 1984, I realized that a guy said, if you died, would you go to heaven or hell? I didn't have the answer. And I realized that day, I need to have a personal relationship with Christ. He said, I need to ask Christ into my life. And I raised my hand and repeated a little prayer. I gave God permission to come into my life. And that's when my relationship started. You know, as we were pausing too, I felt like I had a couple words of knowledge. You know, one was, there's one or several here that want to quit smoking. And it's not like, smoking is not going to send you to hell. It'll just smell like you've been there. But for, and that's just between you and the Lord. But the Lord wants to remind you, I can help you in this if you'll just trust me. Just be looking and listening. He'll give you the steps you need to take, whatever you need to do, just to kind of, because it, it might not be an easy thing, or maybe you've tried it before. But the Lord's just saying he wants to help you. He's not condemning you. I'm here to help you. And then I, when I, I went back and I saw that picture of the woman in the ocean with those two kids, like, what can I do? It's like there's a single mom here, or several, that you're just, what can I do? 
I mean, I'm just stuck. And this is kind of a challenging one. I think one of the biggest steps of trust, of faith, is when you tithe. And there's some single moms I've heard, how could I afford to? I got to the place where I literally had to say, how could I afford not to? I was in such a hole. I needed a supernatural provision. And I'm telling you, you could, that's a great way to step out and trust God. But there's even more to that. Sometimes you need to reach your hand out. You know, kind of going back to that, that picture of that lady in the ocean just needing a helping hand. You know, twice every service, we always have altar people come up here, and they're willing to hold out their hand and pray with you. You know, sometimes you just got to ask for some help. Call somebody on the phone. But it's amazing how many people come into these services and leave still carrying their, what they brought in. And when you come to the altar, it's that symbol of you're handing it to the Lord. You're agreeing with somebody. If two should agree as touching anything, it'll be done. And there's power in that, just coming into agreement with somebody. So as we close, I want to go back to that one question. Are you 100%, 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? If you're not, I want you to meet Clint and myself over there at that cross, and we'll say a prayer with you. If you've gotten off track, I want you to come over there. Because it's about a relationship. And David messed up big time. But he said, I, don't, I need your presence, God. And if you come to the cross, I'm praying, I promise you, you're going to feel the presence of the Lord. So as we stand, our altar team is going to come back up here. And if you want prayer for anything, come and agree with them. Some of you just need to, to worship another song. But we're going to sing through one time, and Pastor Zach will dismiss you. But, you know, take this with you. And there's times just ask the Holy Spirit to help you just to be still. And it, I've, some of you could have got a prophetic word even about our church. I mean, before you leave, come share with one of the leaders just what you're sensing or feeling. So, Father... I just lift up my hands and say, I surrender. Times when I'm trying to do it on my own or trying to do your job. Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. And I thank you today we were able to hit the pause button. And for some people, they need to hit the reset button and come to the cross and just get things started again fresh. But Lord, we just want to say we love you. Fill with your spirit. Fill us with your presence and come with us. Let your presence go with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Alter team, come up.